0: And here's your guest host, Austin Barker.
1: Buddy, hi there everybody. Welcome in. Good morning. Hope you're glad you're awake this week. No, are you awake? Ask yourself, are you awake? Reach down, pitch yourself. God is in control. We believe that his children will not be God is in control. I'm not like Tony. I don't talk over music. when I
2: do.
1: You know, I have eight segments worth of notes here, and when I come that well prepared, I never get to three of them. So, I don't know why that is. It's the Ides of March. It must be. Just beware the Ides of March, because that's today. On this day, in history, Julius Caesar. Poor Julius. He got stabbed in the back by his best friend. I don't know if it's his best friend. I really don't know all the details of the thing. But, uh but yes, that those famous words, "Et tu, brute?" Br- what is it? Brute? Et tu, brute? Bruté? Because it's spelled B-R-U-T-U-S.
0: I know it's Brutus, but it's but in Shakespeare, he wrote it to Bruté. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't there's a lot of things but like that I I had that, this, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this teacher oh, you, in college. She was big time Shakespeare fan and we were reading Shakespeare stuff. And I'm still not a big shank. I mean, I like some of the stuff and the stories were interesting, but you have to get in and get get into that language and You do. It takes a little bit.
1: You do. It does. Yes. Especially if you're seeing it live on the stage. It just like I'll go to a Shakespeare play. mm mm-hmm. Mhm and it takes me about 15 minutes for my ear to tune in. So I'm really struggling for the first 15 minutes or so of the the play just to kind of get the plot and the characters and whatever. And so that's, I always read a summary, a plot summary before I go into the to the theater, exactly. because you need to Good know who's idea. who on the stage. Because Shakespeare will throw a lot of characters at you really fast. Rosencrantz and Guild <laughs> you got to know these guys. <laughs> and usually, there's two of them that look alike, and there's a little <laughs> bit of disguise going on. One of them's going to dress up like the other one. It can get confusing, and so you just need to know going in. No plot twists in Shakespeare. There's no, that's not the emphasis. You don't need to be surprised by how the story goes. It's fine to know the plot so you don't show up for the plot you show up for the special effects and you show up for how well those actors are able to deliver their lines for the pathos that they exhibit on the pathos yes that they exhibit on the stage you know how well they act their part and so yeah there's a lot more going on it's like, kind of like a baseball game which actually today in history was it 18 oh it had to be 18 something 1801 1813 the Cincinnati Reds was the first Baseball? Uh, professional so. baseball team? is Red, that red? Stockings. Red Stockings. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I don't know this stuff. I just make it up as I go. <laughs> Let's see. 1901, 2019. Yep, here it is. I'm going to get it once I click that ad off of there. 1869. I, it was later than I thought. So post-Civil War. We didn't have baseball until... No wonder we fought a Civil War! We didn't have baseball! Well, they to calm all, us down! They were all fighting. Then We had nobody to play. They hadn't gotten a league of their own yet. You think that's what it was? I think we're doing chicken-egg stuff here. I think you think that it was—they had to get the fighting out of the way so they could just play. But I say say that they fought because they couldn't play. All right. They were fighting on all the baseball fields. They Mm -mm. couldn't get out there. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's not right. It's, it's why I get paid to sit on this side of the microphone, folks. And listen, the only thing standing between you and me this morning is a microphone and that speaker you're using to listen to me and a little bit of air and atmosphere to carry the signal from me to you. And you could even reduce that distance even further. Hard to believe, but true. You could pick up your phone and you could call me this morning. I'm actually taking suggested listener topics, even though I have more than I know I'll get to, but I already know that. And so if there's a topic on, on the last day of Austin Barker, On Christian worldview radio show ostensibly that's the plan anyway and then you you call in and you can talk and 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 I'll listen and I'll respond in real time and I may or I may not agree with you so don't get your hopes up but uh but at least you're welcome to call in 888-660-9535 and tell me what is on your mind all right uh in on this day in history furthermore in 1917 do you know what was going on in 1917? Uh, some war. World War One. Mm-hmm. that's right. And, and But but maybe more importantly to our purposes was the Russian Revolution mm. uh, was about to start, and Tsar Nicholas II abdicated the Russian throne. He's, he was forced to abdicate by the Petrograd insurgents, and a provincial government was installed in his place, which then yielded to the revolutionaries. And was that, I assume that was the... Bolsheviks in 1918. That was the Bolshevik Revolution.
0: I can't remember. Yeah, I think I'm right. I think you are.
1: Um, I'm reading Doctor Zhivago, actually, on oh. your recommendation, Gary oh. Miller. So I want to talk to you about that a little bit later because it's it's Good hard luck. to get I've, into, and that's I've forgotten a lot of it. Right, so. that's laid right there in the Russian Revolution. So that's why that's interesting to me this morning is because uh, because I'm I'm on that. So let's see. Was there anything interesting that happened? on this day in history? Not really. I mean, March 15th? I mean, it's not Pi Day. You know, yesterday was Pi Day, for whatever that's worth. I don't know. There's some people who really make much of 3.14 and the significance that that 3.14 has on the calendar. And there, I mean, it's almost like Aztec calendar stuff. You know, like the world is going to end in 2012. Of course, it didn't. Because didn't the Aztec calendar end in 2012? And then there's Pi Day. And you can pretty much land those two uh, events in the same pile uh philip's calling in this morning philip do you have something on your mind that you want me to react to or are you just going to be incendiary this morning or are we going to have a nice talk
3: oh am i am i incendiary at times i'm
1: sorry no, i don't mean to no, be no you're not at all i'm just teasing you
3: oh okay no uh you asked for a topic this is my topic and it makes me so- insane um First of all, I preface it with, I understand Twyla Paris' song, and I certainly understand the Bible. It's all, okay, God's in charge. But the Chinese are taking over our country incrementally. They're sending drones over here. They're buying up amazing amounts of land. They are have a corner on our food supply pretty soon. TikTok is brainwashing the young ones. And this is something very few people talk about. This is why I'm so sad that um, the brother won't have a longer show in the future because he's one of the few. But I appreciate the way you think, and I would love for you to expound on this subject because I don't hear about it anywhere. It's like a silent coup d'etat they play the long game, and people here who are so interested in myopic vision, they don't think about what's going on to our country by this dreadful enemy. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one, uh, Philip, and as predicted, I'm not going to agree with you completely. Uh, I want to agree, I want to affirm the first part, um, that the Chinese are 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 our number one global threat. They are the number one global threat right now. Um, Where in the early 2000s, it might've been Islamic jihadism. Um, China has taken over that place and they are very ambitious. They have global ambitions. They want to assume the number one spot in the world and America's sitting on that pedestal. And so China's got their arms around the pedestal and they're rocking it and they wanna knock us off. So all that is true. And so, um, artifact by artifact, I would say the 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 drones. Okay, the fact that they're sending drones over our country that's been going on for a long time, and it just got a lot of attention because there was uh, a, a political incentive for it to get attention. So that was not new; it was not unusual. And there's probably Chinese drones flying over America right now. So, not 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 new not all that newsworthy in terms of the farms and the chinese buying up american land and the threat that that represents to our food supply if if you look this is a numbers game and i'm going to talk like a statistician okay um if you look at the raw number of acreage that the chinese own in america the number will scare you because it's in the millions of acres Okay, and if you look at the locations, it will give you pause because oftentimes they are near our national security interests, Air Force bases, you know, military facilities. So on those grounds, I think we should maybe look at that. But if you look at as a percentage of the American food supply that is contributed by Chinese sources and Chinese corporations, it's absolutely minuscule. And so there's, you know, alarmism about Bill Gates and how much farmland he's buying up and why all that. And, uh, you know, the Chinese are buying up all the American farmland in order to, you know, put our, their fingers around the neck of the American food supply so then they can starve us and extort us for whatever. I don't buy it just because of the numbers. It's, it's, it's in the 1% to 2%, if, even, if it's even that high, I can't remember, but I just remember it being an extremely small percentage of the total American food supply. As far as TikTok... Much is being made of the national security threat of TikTok. And I, uh, Tony and I disagree on this. You and I may disagree on this, but I don't view TikTok as nearly the national security threat, the spying threat, the data intelligence mining threat. That I view it as a worldview threat. That the fact that our teenagers are addicted to this technology that rots their brain, that to me is way more consequential. Now, the fact that TikTok looks different in America, that it's a mind-rotting, soul-numbing, sucking whatever influence on our young people, that bothers me a lot more because in China, it's not like that. It's actually contributory. It's actually kind of got science stuff. It's kind of educational. And so the fact that there are two TikToks, a Chinese version that's smart and an American version that's ep- epically stupid— That bothers me way more than the fact that they're spying on us. Um, In terms of cultural myopia, that we can't see the threats and we don't recognize the real threats before they're already too big for us to deal with, I agree with that. That's been typical of every civilization, not just America. And your concern is well-grounded that America is a civilization in decline. Finally. Yes.
3: Yes, I'm sorry. Can I just put in one thing
1: before? Sure.
3: Yeah. I grew up, of course reading about Mao Zedong, I don't know how familiar you are with the Cultural Revolution, but what he did was he got into the schools, he got into the culture that the old ways of doing things, the feudal lords, the grand China, all of that has to be put away. We have a new system, we're going to institute it through the state, and this Marxist system. Well, that's exactly what's happening to our country.
1: That's right, Philip. And so you're not wrong to see that. But just rewind for 40, 50 years and realize that what you just said about the Chinese and the Marxism and the Cultural Revolution, we were saying about the Russians back in the 1960s and the 70s. OK, so Russia was the big bad boogeyman back then. And we've had two we've gone through two or three different boogeymen since then. And so there's always a big bad boogeyman. And fortunately, we had a person like Ronald Reagan who stood up and reinforced the bulwark of American exceptionalism against a real, what he called the evil empire. And it was. And so China is today's evil empire. We have a choice. We can either stand up against it, or we can roll over and let them do. But, but Alexander Solzhenitsyn was predicting the downfall of Western civilization back in the 1970s, not because of some Russian territorial imperial expansionism, but because of the, the rot that was happening within Western culture. And so I really, that's the danger for us, that with our, our worst enemy is ourselves, not the Chinese, it's not Islamic jihadism, it's not Russian territorial expansionism, it's not, you know, whatever, whoever you want to label, there are bad actors all over the world that want to see America fall. And that has always been, well, I don't know if it's always been true, but it's been true for a long time. And so another typical feature of American life, I think everywhere, not just American, is to overestimate our enemies. And so there's a thickness and a richness to American culture that I am a little bit more optimistic about, and I don't think the Chinese are going to choke that off.
3: One last thing, and I'll let you go. Sure. Yes, and I agree with you, and I appreciate your thoughts. But what is different, what is unprecedented Uh in my view, Mm -hmm. is that we have people in our government who are way too friendly with these people. They don't think about America first, like every other time in history. That's why these people are more of an existential threat than they would ever been.
1: I don't agree. Think about Joseph McCarthy and 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 the Red Scare of the 1960s. There were communist sympathizers with embedded within our government, high-level people who were spying for the for the Soviets. So that type of insider um, opposition, you know, that what's the the third rail? Is it the third rail? Is that the 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 brigade that's within that, that, I think that's a traitor term. Yeah, I, th- I think that's always been the case, Philip. I don't think we're in any worse shape. Um, you, don't,
3: you don't agree that there are people in the country now who are knocking every vestige of what built America? That has never been before.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true, um, that there has been a significant decline in patriotism and so I'm going to blame that on my generation, the millennials. And maybe I'll blame it on the boomers just because they raised us. So everybody maybe gets so – there's enough blame to go around for that. Hey, Philip, appreciate the call. Yeah, that was-
3: and that's what – see, that's what makes me nuts. Like the Chinese say, hey, we'll just let it collapse from within. They look at all this climate crap. They don't worry about it. They couldn't care less. They poison the air. They butcher their own people. You know, it's different now. You see, that's why – that's why when you say what you say, I understand But I think because I'm 75 years old, I see a difference. This country now, its leaders do not believe America is greater, not believe America is first. And we're way too, I mean, I believe that sometime soon the World Health Organization might be able to make decisions that affect Americans. And our president would be fine with it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I believe that's the case. I just don't believe it's as, ex, as, ex, as as existential an issue as you do. But when you say, because I'm 70 years old, I have to listen to that. And I, I would be foolish not to. And so you have a, a, a benefit of wisdom and time and experience that I don't have, which I want to talk to you about a little bit later when I read to you Alexander McLaren's message entitled, From the Old to the Young. Uh, it Man, it's cold out this morning. It was very cold, too cold for my poor hydrangeas, I'm afraid. And uh, yeah, I'm concerned. Uh, Yesterday morning, it was already, I think it got down to 29 at my place yesterday, and it bit the leaves of those hydrangeas. And I thought, you know, if it was just that night, maybe you could come back from that. But then when it's two nights in a row, I'm just afraid that they're going to have to do the same thing that they did last year and start over from scratch after um, the beginning of April. Because... People have really short memories, and, and and with no offense at all to Philip, because I, I so many of the points that he was making he was making was right. But it helps us. I think it gives us a little bit of uh, of worldview equilibrium or stability if we can pl- have a long view of history. That's why I appreciate talking to people who are older, is because they they were fir- they have firsthand experience of so many ex- of so many events, historical events that I've only read about, and so. Um, You know, it's helpful for me to compare events that happen today to similar events, not identical events, obviously, because cultural conditions are different at every point in history, sometimes moment to moment with the rate of change accelerating. But um, as I believe, I'm going to quote it as C.S. Lewis, but I'm not sure who exactly it was. It may have been Mark Twain. Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Shakespeare, one of those guys, if you want instant credibility, just attach one of those names to it and then pe- nobody will fact check you. And besides, even if they do, the internet will probably back you up in some way or another. Um, I believe, I think it was Mark Twain who said that history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. I like that. That's wisdom. So, um, you know, to compare the threat of communist China today to the threat of communist Russia yesterday, um, you, I think that's helpful. And so to compare this year's um, late, that's in air quotes, late frost to last year's late frost, everybody be saying, oh, you know, this is uh, spring's come too early this year. It's coming too early and all this stuff is blooming too early. My the tender new growth is coming too early. And, and there's some some of that is true. But Megan and I, my wife and I, go out actually each week as best we can on a Sunday afternoon and take pictures and make logs in our gardening journal and of what's blooming on what week. And we actually have those pictures in our Google photos with a timestamp, with a date stamp on them. And so Megan went out last week and was taking pictures, and Google um, kindly reminded her of last year's photos, and they were almost identical. So spring is not any earlier this year than it was last year if anything it's maybe a week earlier maybe five days something like that so um no worries on that account but i would remind you that last year my hydrangeas got bit hard by a by a quote late frost and they had to do a hard reset from the ground um come april so i'm a little bit sad about that but hey spring is not even here by the calendar Okay, just because daylight savings time or whatever this is, is this daylight regular time? I don't know what save, what's savings and what's regular.
0: Uh, this is daylight saving time.
1: Is that right? right
0: notice no S on saving. Daylight saving Ooh, time.
1: Ooh, that was such a gentle way to scold me for my <laughs> ignorance. Oh,
0: I, I get that from my wife all the time. I like to
1: <laughs> pass things on. Um, daylight, so this is daylight saving time. Do you like daylight saving time, or do you like daylight regular time?
0: Or I just want them to
1: keep it the same. That's, just... that's exactly what I said, okay? Right. And I was having a conversation at our church's men's breakfast yesterday morning with several of my guy friends, mm-hmm. and I said, I don't care which one, pick one and stick with one. Right. Okay, so that's always been my position for a long time. And Tony and I have, uh, Tony and I have fought about this before, and you and I were on the same side. Pick one, stick with one. And Tony says, no, it has to be this particular one. And I don't know which one he favors, all right? I can't remember. I don't know But either. he favors a certain one. And right. I thought, what a knucklehead. One's the same as the other. Well, a guy yesterday enlightened me and gave me additional wisdom on the topic that there actually is a difference for a certain type of person. And you're the type of person, actually, so which surprises me that you don't prefer one over the other for a guy like me right who has complete control over my schedule i control when i get up in the morning what time i go to work and when i show up for work and when i call off work exactly okay? i've got complete control over my schedule and so i can flex and bend with the sun do what the sun's doing and no problem the clock doesn't even matter to me <laughs> so that's why i just hate the change but for people who don't control their own schedule who are actually on a time clock who have to be at a certain place at a certain time right then they do prefer a certain orientation of the sun around that schedule. Oh, really? So Good. at least that's what this guy says. He says, right. I have to be to work at, 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 at 8 o'clock or whatever time he said, and I want the sun to be up at that time. Right. Like, I don't like going to work in the dark. And then the other guy says, well, I, I like getting off work and still having some sunlight mm-hmm. in order to do things at home. Yeah. And so he says, so I like my light on the back end of the day. And so he says, I prefer, and then whatever. I don't know the math on this thing, but I just know that there actually is a grounding for people to prefer one over the other. And it's people whose schedules are locked or who don't control, like I do, my own work schedule. What do you what do you think about that? I just, I mean, king of the world, when Austin Barker's king of the world, daylight savings time is going to be the first beheading. <laughs> the first public hanging will be daylight savings. I will draw and quarter it, tie a rope, to every corner of daylight savings time and say the four wins go
0: <laughs> i like it like it is right now let's just leave it like it is and we're fine
1: okay all right uh, all all in favor say i <laughs> let's see what rick says on facebook rick says i hate daylight savings time i go to work at 3 a.m and daylight savings time makes it wow he says savings time come on rick <laughs> stop with the s already well, he didn't hear our conversation <laughs> about it. daylight saving time makes it hard to go to bed at 6 pm. G- G- Gilbert on Facebook says I like this time because it's dark in the morning but in the evening you get to see the sunset mm-hmm. how about you- that y'all see smart people listen to this program and you could call in now now you hear you hear these topics for me I've got other stuff um, I want to talk about just briefly about the great homeschool convention that is coming up at the end of this month. If you have a homeschooler in your family or if you have a grandkid who is homeschooling or a a child who is is considering homeschooling their kids, what a great opportunity to go and get your feet wet in homeschooling culture and uh, show up. And they have all, I mean, dozens and dozens, and I think I'm underestimating, I was tempted to say hundreds, of breakout sessions, including some for those who are just considering homeschooling and just getting ready to and how to kind of... Uh, get into homeschooling when you don't know the first thing about it, and then there's um, breakout sessions for seasoned homeschoolers who are you know into the high school years. They have a little bit of something for everybody there at the at the great homeschool convention. Um, I, my wife and I will be there. I expect that I'll probably be uh, participating in the Trail Life component. My boys are in Trail Life, and Trail Life, of course, is one of the one of the exhibitors there. And, um, so I'll probably be manning the trail life table at some point during the convention. And then we'll, we'll uh, of course, be, be, uh, touring the thing and looking at different curricula. Um, we personally prefer the good and the beautiful. Um, it's a, uh, a very, it is a good and beautiful curriculum. It's, you know, of course, grounded in class, a classical understanding of the world that w- we pursue what is true, good, and beautiful. And, um, uh, and they really do a great job Their Their language arts. Which is particularly important to me. If I had one subject that I would want my kids to learn, it would be language arts before math, because the thinking skills that happen in a in an English classroom, to me, now I'm not saying it's either orism, but number one, critical thinking skills, and that happens in a language arts class, and then the math, of course, is your logic skills, and uh, that's that's clo- a close second. But but the good and the beautiful has just an outstanding um, a very friendly, very approachable, very rigorous language arts program. And so we've been using that for some time. We have a hodgepodge. Um, we use, uh, different curricula for different subjects and that's entirely appropriate. Once you become a seasoned, um, homeschooler, you will probably find yourself doing that because you'll recognize what suits your particularly, your particular style. But if you have somebody in your life who is a homeschooler and could benefit uh, from that convention, even if you've been doing this for a long time, it's a shot in the arm. It's a really, it's a shot of inspiration. You'll walk away inspired with some new aha moments. And uh, it's it's going on at the Greenville Convention Center, March 30th through April 1st. That's a Thursday, Thursday evening, Friday, all day, Saturday, most of the day. And uh, you should go. It's, it's really good. It'll be good. All right, Gary. Uh, good morning. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey, good morning. And it was worth waiting to hear Gary's selection of bumper
1: music. We've had John Denver Love and Johnny Cash. Thing. Yeah. What's, what's next? What John is it, he going to pick out next? I don't know. Fantastic. <laughs> and so I, I called about change,
2: and uh, it just grates against me. I hate change, and I... Wish that, I don't want anyone changing my clock twice a year. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I would like to set it in the middle and leave it. Um, but someone told me that won't work because of train and flight schedules or something. I don't understand why you couldn't just put it in the middle. But I just want them to stop changing it. I and um, I vote yes. Another change that I'm lamenting today is uh, his radio talk. I don't know if many callers have said uh, they're really sad, but I certainly am. Uh, I'm going to miss uh, Gar- Gary Miller. I, he, he's, he's welcome to and uh, earned his uh, retirement from doing this every day, but uh, I'm going to miss uh, all of this, uh, his radio talk. Uh, I'll certainly try and catch uh, Dr. Beam's podcast, and you know, I mean, when am I going to hear Austin Barker again? Where will I have a place to call in and talk to a bunch of people on the radio? I just don't like change, but you know, uh, God is never changing, and so I love God because He never changes.
1: Wow, that was epic! That was like epic, Gary. That was so good. We'll just, you know, what? I mean, that's immortalized on our podcast. The the podcast will always be there. And so you can go back and listen to prior episodes, including listening to yourself just, like, really, really drill it down and and hit it out of the park. Home run. Good job. Thanks, Gary. Well,
2: go and and be well and serve God and love your family, and and I'll miss you. And um, so I I don't know, you know, maybe— There'll be a new incarnation of his radio talk when the public outrage strikes uh, his radio, but we'll we'll see.
1: I vote yes for everything you've said today. I, I don't often agree with everything that everyone says, and I voted, I agreed with everything you said. So I I do change. Oh, thanks. I Keep do, up the good work. I change my undergarments regularly, and so that's a grateful thing. Um, so there's some change that is good. But uh, all right, let's see, Milo. Ooh, I'm always in trouble when Milo calls.
4: No, not at all. I was just calling about the time change, but since the uh, Gary, the previous caller, uh, since he brought in the general idea about change and um, uh, how he didn't like it, that's I, I mean the exact same uh, situation, the exact same way, because change for the sake of change is not aligned with conservative ideology. Absolutely.
1: Thank you for and saying he, that. Yes! I was going to say it if you didn't. Well done.
4: Well, um, and tying it back to God, that God is never changing, it explains why true conservatism is um, endorses God and the biblical way of looking at things. That's the traditional way. That's the proper way. There's no need to change any of that. So that's where Christianity and and um, and conservatism align. So the um, it, there's there's perfect sense for that. Yeah, if I follow your logic,
1: ending, I'm I'm going to say that times okay. that 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 the that the daylight saving time then is an unbiblical concept and it should not be supported by Christians.
4: I agree with you about that. I'll <laughs> touch that on that for just one second okay. because that's what I'm going to leave with. Yep. Um, that when. Tony first announced that very first day that there was going to be a programming change and that the show, as we knew it was going to end, I was depressed for the entire day. Hmm. My wife heard me gasp and she said, I, she said, I'm starting to listen more and more now too, and I'm going to miss him and, um, since then, all of the reworks that he's been working on, um, the, doing the, the 7.30 to 8.30 live thing is, um, it gives me a little bit of hope because I use him to prepare my day, Right, and so that's ideal time, and um, so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I am going to miss Gary and his bumper music. His bumper music has always been the best. Um, it's been absolutely on par um, if not eclipsing rush Limbaugh's bumper music
1: uh, I agree so, i agree uh,
4: I, I can't say enough about that um, and as far as the radio training network goes i'm a I'm an old Pentecostal myself and so i've got uh, we've we've got very strong ties to rtn and their their Florida flagship station at the South Carolina flagship station there, Missouri, um, the whole works. We, you know, we're all aligned together. So I'm, I'm with them all as far as that goes, but tying that back into the time change, there is actually another component that nobody has discussed about this. And yes, having a time change into daylight saving time is inconsistent with conservative beliefs, but, not because of the following reason, which is what I'm going to explain. There is a technical reason why we are in non-daylight saving time as the default time frame for, uh, for the United States, and that is our proximity to UTC or Zulu time, as other people call it. UTC, the universal time coordinate, ha- is spaced out around the world, and it's divided up into 24 different zones. If we are not in, um, if we are not in the default um, daylight um, standard time, then we're off in our our um, alignment with UTC. And oh, what that does we're... is it brings too wide of a of a spectrum of land that is in a in a single time zone where the time doesn't change, but the time literally changes based on the sun.
1: Reality stubborn so isn't while it? it What's that what, The sun is stubborn? Reality is stubborn, yeah. Oh, reality is stubborn,
4: yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm driving, so mm-hmm. I'm uh, slightly distracted also. But it, it's going to throw us out of whack with UTC, Zulu time. That's, if the entire world shifted to daylight saving time instead of daylight standard time, or time zone standard time, um, then it wouldn't be a difference. But if anybody doesn't, then we're going to be out of whack with the rest of the world. So that's why it's important that we stay on on our time zone standard time, in our case, Eastern Standard Time.
1: So you could take that type of factual argumentation to a debate and say, here are the facts, not here's my dumb opinion about why I hate it and it's bad for people and whatever. But, he's, but that's, that's, that's legit. Like, that's actually, as you said, a technical grounding for— um, for opposing the the, de- the default of of whatever you call it, I you don't know, know a standard time.
0: Milo, that sounds like that's what makes the flux capacitor allow time travel. Just uh, <laughs> I'm not positive about that. But
4: <laughs> I think that that may be the founding principle. We need to have Dr. Brown um, <laughs> elaborate on that a little bit further.
1: <laughs> Milo, good to chat with you. Maybe maybe the last time we'll get to chat in this context, and so it's um. It's been good, and so I hope you drive carefully, and, and uh, may may we um, meet in some future time in uh, in better conditions. I hope so. <laughs> all right, take care. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we need to go to a break. I want to comment on just a couple things that he said, because it was really good. Um, one, Gary Miller. It, y'all hear the bumper music, but you don't know all the technical expertise that goes on behind the scenes. Those are the things that, w- that we, Tony and I, actually appreciate more about Gary, is his just his um the the level of of excellence that he brings to production you just don't get that with a lot of people there is a precision in his production skills um that you hear through the selection of 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 music and we see all the time it is it's a it's a it's a regrettable day they just don't make them like they used to times are a changing and uh and that's just the fact. We don't have to like it. But I, I liked the point that Milo made about how conservatives are um, slow to embrace change. And my novel that I have outlined but not yet written is predicated on that exact concept: is that um, that we want to see change, and we should accept some change because some things need to change. When Jesus put his finger in the face of the Pharisees and said things are not the way they should be, he was saying things need to change, and the Pharisees are so entrenched in their tradition, and he says, you teach for doctrine the traditions of men. You teach them as though they were the oracles of, of changeless God, and you have changed these, you've bent and twisted these words, and so you need to unbend them. And so there is, a, there is space for change, but conservatives are slow, and we make incremental small changes and then analyze the results of the changes so we have the opportunity to walk those back and then reset. And knowing, as Robert Frost says, that way goes on to way, and we may never pass this way again. We don't want to make too big of a change. We're not into revolutions generally speaking, as conservatives. That is a progressive instinct. Revolution is a progressive instinct. That's why Marxists, the whole worldview, is built on a foundation of revolution, because they're progressives. And so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And once you kind of get your arms all the way around that concept of change and how we interact with it as Christians and as conservatives, it really, again, contributes equilibrium, stability to your worldview. Did you convert to Catholicism or something, Gary? No. Why? Because you're wearing green on St. Patrick's Day?
0: Yes, I do that.
1: You didn't know that Protestants are supposed to wear orange on St. Patrick's Day? No,
0: thank you. You get pinched if you do that. Found that out the hard way. I'd take so, the pinch
1: to be a Protestant.
0: Well, I, I understand that. I'm I'm all for the Protestant the <laughs> <laughs> team. I'm on the Protestant team. But, I, uh, but you're but going like to wear your green. I like to... You're wear probably going to wear
1: both. Well, you're going to do green I don't orange. get
0: to wear green very often. So you know, it just reminds me, wear some green.
1: I didn't know until 2011. What's that? 20, I was 29 years old before I found mm-hmm. out that Protestants wear orange on on uh, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, really? And wow. Catholics wear green. In Ireland, anyway, those are the traditional colors of wow. Protestantism and Catholicism. Wow. I didn't know that. And I don't think it's super important because over in America, it's just like leprechauns, you know? I, I saw a uh,
0: there's a movie out called St. Saint- is it it's just called Patrick or something I like that? I haven't seen this like one, so you have to tell me about it. And it it talks about uh, the real story of his life, okay. which includes kidnapping, yeah, yeah, yeah. slavery, yeah. and redemption. Oh, yeah. And it looked like, wow, this looks like this might be pretty good.
1: Really cool story about Patrick's mm-hmm. conflict with the Druids in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, uh, Yeah, I learned that from an Anglican uh, priest, actually. Who told me uh, I showed up to teach at a Christian school wearing green on St. Patrick's Day, and he's like, "What are you? Some sort of Catholic?" <laughs> <laughs> see, that's how so, you learn. See, I, you get it from your wife. I get it from my pro, yeah. from my Anglican priests. And yep, yep. All right. Um, should we celebrate Women's History Month? <clears throat> Just curious, um, because some women say no. That's interesting. Um, is maybe let me frame it this way is women's history month simply an artifact in the gender wars because you know women having been downtrodden and neglected and underrepresented and underrecognized for how whatever x fill in x number of years here whatever your worldview will supply um you know they should be they should finally get their due and the way we do that due is We give them a month and we talk about all their contributions to society and technology and the advancement of the human uh, species, right? We do that with Black History Month, February, I believe, is Black History Month, and we spend a month talking about the contributions of African Americans to American culture and society. Is that the right call? Is that the way to right a historic injustice? So even women who do not support the celebration of Women's History Month will agree with you probably that women have been historically abused, slighted, disadvantaged, uh, taken advantage of, right? I mean, George Eliot just the name suggests to you that women at times have had to use male pseudonyms to publish their books in order that they might sell because women were not allowed access necessarily to the publishing field or to the, you know, they weren't taken as seriously. Their books were not taken as seriously as men's writing. So there, you know, we talk about pay, pay gaps or, you know, the gender wage gap and stuff like that. So there's a lot of swirl around that whether, you know, what are the what are the actual numbers? Uh because policy should be set on data. Um and the plural of of uh, you know anecdotes are not data, not even in the plural. You have to see a real wide swath before you finally get the real numbers. And so there's a lot of swirl around whether the gender pay gap is actually a thing. Um, whether women do indeed get paid less for doing identical work, because it's the identical work that's always kind of the tug of war. Are women able to contribute the same thing? And then, of course, then that's where the gender war gets inserted into into the conversation. And they say, well, no, of course, women are not capable of doing identical work, because the burden of child rearing, child bearing and child rearing or nurturing falls disproportionately on women. And so they have to... They have they're working two full time jobs, so to speak, you know, taking care of the kids and the home and trying to, you know, angle for the corner office. And so there's no way that they could be the playing field isn't level. And so there's no way that they could be expected to um, achieve at, in the same ways and at the same level and to produce at the same level. And so, therefore, they get shorted in their career and in their salary. And, of course, they go unpaid for all the work they do at home and with the kids. All right, have I framed the issue correctly? And with the framing there, do you think that it's appropriate for us to highlight the social and technological and and scientific contributions of women? Is that the way to right the wrong? Because I know some people are just tired of it. They just get weary of... I'll give you an example. You go to William Wordsworth's um, cottage in England, okay, out in the country, the, 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 the marsh country of England, and you go out there because you're a fan of William Wordsworth and his poetry, you know, and you want to go out to where he, some of these great poems were written. And you go into this cottage, and up on the wall is a big plaque that's, that, that is all about women in poetry and their contribution to women, or to, 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 to the field of poetry, to literature, William Wordsworth's cottage, but we need to use that as an opportunity to staple on something about women, because women go underrepresented. And so it's not, you know, they're never going to get their own cottage as a destination, as a tourist destination, you know, because whatever, you know, woman poet, no one's going to go and see their cottage. So we have to commandeer William Wordsworth's. Do you see the point that I'm making here? Is, that, is it worth it? Does it work? Is it even worthwhile to to try and recognize women by shoehorning them in to William Wordsworth's cottage. Isn't that kind of an insult? Doesn't that kind of, isn't that the same as saying, you know, that African-Americans can't succeed on their own? So what we really need to do is we need to put in quotas for them. So, you know, we get in the certain number that couldn't get in on their own merits. That's an insult. Isn't it kind of similarly insulting to women to say that the only way that you can ever achieve recognition is if we give you a dedicated month out of the year to uh, highlight your achievements because Lord knows you're never going to get them recognized on their own merits, on their own day in history. So we're going to artificially create a day in history for you, women. Who do you think is right in there? I've tried to kind of fairly represent both sides. In the next hour, we're going to be moving on. But if you want to circle back and answer that question, I'd be interested to hear your take. I can hear both sides of this talking in my head. Um, my wife is one of those women, strong women, who scorn the emphasis on feminism. Interesting topics. Well, there's more to come. We've got a whole hour ahead of us. Stay tuned. We'll be back after the bad news.